Hi, I'm Father Columba Jordan, and welcome to Little by Little. We originally recorded these podcasts as videos, which are available on YouTube, but we also wanted to make them available to you on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Hope you enjoy. God bless. So today I wanted to bring you on a little walk, a wee dander, as they say in Derry, a wee dander through Lent, that bleak wilderness of troker boxes and not a chocolate bar to be seen. So I wanted to keep it nice and simple today, just looking at two aspects. One is the number 40 and the other is the color purple. Not the movie, the color purple, but the actual color purple. Okay, so 40. There's a lot of talk. You might have heard some of it. There's a lot of talk connecting Lent with the number 40. And people are saying, oh, Lent is 40 days long. And it's not. Have you ever counted? It's 46. 46 days long. That is because we're cruel. <laughs> the church is cruel and unusual. No, it is because it's grown over time. So initially there was, or always in the church, there was the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus, celebrated actually every Sunday, but particularly on Easter Sunday. But then they wanted to, you know, get ready. Well, this is a huge celebration, so we'll get ready. So they added on a day, you know, of fasting and that. So then, then they said, well, now day is like tiny. So they added on three days. And we still actually have that Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday, these three days of preparation. And then they said, no, let's do more. <laughs> so they made it 40 days. Well, now we have 46. We have that because if you take the three days of the, the original uh, kind of Holy Triduum fast, and then you add on the 40, and then I think somewhere along the line, they realized, well, we really shouldn't fast on Sundays. So they added in these, not only the three days, but another three to make it 46 days so that you can do your 40 days, but still stop your fast on Sundays of Lent. Apparently, that is why. So that's some of the basics. But what's at the heart of like this 40? So it's okay. Let's say Lent is built around this idea of 40. What does it actually mean? So if we look through the Bible, 40 is all over the place, especially we see it with, uh, with Moses, of course, and Israel. As they were leaving slavery in Egypt, they first of all spent 40 days at Mount Sinai. Then they spent 40 days spying out the Holy Land to try and see if it's any good. And then in somewhat punishment for not going into the Holy Land, they have to spend 40 years hanging out in the wilderness. Now that would be quite a long Lent. There's also the story of the flood, which is before the Moses story, and that was 40 days of flooding, not surprisingly, 40 days of rain, actually. There was a whole lot more time for it to dry up. And of course, if you're from Ireland, you're like, 40 days of rain, nothing, nothing. But it was, it was significant for them back, back then. It hadn't rained before. No, I'm only joking. It obviously had. But uh, yeah, 40 days for them. Also, there's another 40 with Jonah, the prophet Jonah. He goes to the city, the pagan city of Nineveh and says 40 days more. And unless you change, you're all going to get smacked. And of course, they did change and they didn't get smacked by God. And then there is a couple of other ones, but especially Jesus. So he spent 40 days in the wilderness, which is really the, the primary thing we model our Lent on. So what does this mean, though? Because that's nice, 40 is all over the place, but if it doesn't mean anything, then it doesn't mean anything. The way that I would think is helpful to interpret it is to think of that 40 and to think of Lent as a time for change. So 
Let's take the first story, which is the flood story. God sent the flood because he said, oh, this is a mess. The world is a mess. We need to change it. In fact, I want to start again. So it's like rubbing all the stuff off of your blackboard or your whiteboard. You, you clear it and then you're going to start again. That was the idea. And he was going to start again, of course, with Noah and his family. And then we have with Moses and Israel, they were slaves and they came to Mount Sinai and they spent 40 days and they received the law and they came as slaves and they left as, as children of God, as the, the family of the nation of God. So that's that's a pretty big change. Uh, then you have, of course, the 40 years that they spent in the wilderness. That's kind of seen as a, a time for them to grow up. It took them 40 years to grow up. So if you are 39 and still feeling like you need to grow up, well, just join the group because it's very biblical that uh, this kind of sense that it needs this 40 years is a great time of maturation and change. And then, of course, we have, you know, Nineveh, they changed and, uh, and then Jesus. Jesus didn't change in the wilderness. He was already pretty much rocking it when he went into the wilderness. So what I would say for yourselves as we take these 40, <coughs> 46 days to look at it as an opportunity to change, an opportunity to, to wipe off the, the, the blackboard, the whiteboard, and to, to write something new on there. What is the thing you might need to erase? What is the thing you would like to change? What is the way in which you feel you need to grow up? Maybe you should have a little talk to God about that and to see, okay, what is, what's the change I need? Have you ever gone into a church around Lent time or indeed before Christmas, Advent time, and seen a whole pile of purple? So during the Mass, the priest wears purple vestments, often the altar and different things and the wall coverings also have some purple going on. And if you are like me, you have wondered, what is the connection? Why purple in Lent? I'm thinking brown, gray, black mucky colors, ugh colors. Definitely not purple because purple to me says like royalty and wealth and you know you're doing awesome when in Lent often I don't feel like I'm doing awesome. It's often a very difficult time, very challenging time. So what is the connection? What is the church saying? What is the Lord saying through this color purple? Purple represents royalty and of course Jesus is the king and interestingly enough you and I, uh, if you've been baptized, if you are a believer, a follower of Jesus, that you have been baptized, not just as, you know, sprinkling of water, but you've actually been inserted or immersed, as the word baptism means, inserted into Jesus. You become you totally united in him so that, you know, he could take your sin and you give him your sin and he gives you all of his goodness. It's a, it's a great deal. But you've also been united to him in three particular ways, as priest, prophet, and king. So Jesus was clearly all these three things. The purple, though, specifically refers to him being a king. Now, Jesus obviously reigns over everything. He reigns over the universe. He reigns over everything. <laughs> but what do you reign over and what are you called to reign over? Obviously, you have responsibilities in your life, but I would say particularly we are called to reign over ourselves. If I can't control myself, why on earth would I think I could control or lead or help other people? So it's always that thing, you know, let's look to ourselves first of all, and then we can help others, then we can lead others especially. So that this, this then purple color that we see and that, that the liturgy especially kind of reveals to us or shows to us, is supposed to be a reminder, yes, that Jesus is the king, he is in charge, he has the power, and he will give us that power, strength to help him reign over us. But it's like you can't give something away until you take hold of it. So 
with reigning over myself, with getting more self-mastery, I have to get a hold of myself. I have to take a hold of those areas that really I struggle with, that, that may be areas of sin and failure and compromise, to really take a hold of them and, and gain what control I can over them so that I can surrender them to Jesus. Because I can say to him, you know, God, please, please be my king, be my Lord. But sometimes that's just talk, right? Now, we're, it's important. We're choosing it. We're saying yes to it. But then that has to be lived out. That has to be worked out in the actual giving of those areas to him and those surrendering and those, uh, those areas of our life actually changing and really coming under his rule and see, bearing the fruit of his rule. So it's a, it's a time for self-mastery. Just like I said, it's, it's like getting ready for a wedding. It's an entering into training and, and nobody who goes training should enjoy it in a sense. You do kind of after it in a funny way. You know, the endorphins start to fire off and you're convinced, oh, that was amazing when it was actually agony. It's supposed to, you know, it's supposed to cost a little bit because, you know, you get, you get what you pay for. And uh, the more you invest, the more you get out. You know, these basic principles of life that we apply so easily to money and to health, we need to apply them to the spirit. Need a reminder? The church gives us a reminder. That's why all the purple. So when you see the purple in the liturgy of Advent or the liturgy of Lent, to think, oh yes, this is the time for me. This is the call for me to rise up, to take on that calling to really be a king, firstly over myself, and then to let that reign, the gentle reign of Jesus, extend to all in my life that I'm responsible for, to really bear the fruit and that people would experience King Jesus through you. So I hope you found this helpful. God bless you.